0: So yes, I want to be a game master and I want to become a good game master. I'm ready to learn and I'm willing to put myself into the space of running a game for my friends. Where do I start? Hey, it's Che and this is Roleplay Rescue.
1: Whoa, oh, 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 I want to come back to the dice. Whoa, oh oh, 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 I think I need some good advice. I need a roleplay rescue. Oh, yeah. I need a roleplay rescue. Oh, yeah.
0: Hello Rescuers, my name is Che Webster and this is Roleplay Rescue, the podcast about rediscovering our passion for tabletop roleplaying games. In episode 22, Fear of Mastery, I spoke about my intention of, well, seeking mastery, but a suggestion I've made is that we accept a period of apprenticeship and then learn to become reliable in this particular tradecraft. You see, back in season 1, episode 8, I made a confession. I might be the worst game master in the world. That was back in early 2019. Four years later, the curse of the flaky GM is still upon me, and all attempts to elude it have so far failed. But I refuse to give up. Today, I resolved to begin again. And you know what? If this particular attempt to change fails, then I'll just have to get up and begin again again let's consider the possibility that I might succeed. This episode is being put together on day one of my apprenticeship as a GM. My re-apprenticeship, I suppose, as I've been gaming for more than 40 years. But I'm sharing it partly so that I can externalise and understand where I'm going. It helps to explain my rationale and my direction. But I'm also sharing because I hope that it might inspire one or two others who've been sitting on that fence fearing, like me, to become the GM they hope to be, and settling often for not being the GM at all. This is Season 12, Episode 24, The Apprentice GM. Over the years, it feels like I've cancelled more games than any other GM on the planet. What stops me from running the game on anything like a consistent basis. It was something I first spoke about back at the dawn of the podcast in episode 8, but it still plagues me to this day. The curse of the flaky GM. The curse is entirely rooted in myself, of course. I'm the source of the dark magic. The curse is really based on learned habits that have for many years now stopped me from moving forward. The problem is this. I want to run a game and I'm really good at getting things started. I can often run one or two sessions off the back of the initial energy and enthusiasm that I have, but much beyond that, I found it really hard to remain committed. I know that after a tough week at work, I can be left drained and exhausted. That means I'm actually pretty tired when I need to prep, and I'm often really tired when it comes to game night. Sometimes life gets in the way, a family emergency arises or someone in my life needs me to do something on short notice. Other times I'm feeling very low or even actually ill. But most of the time, the feeling of being drained and exhausted, that's actually largely compelling enough. At a point of decision, when I need to decide whether to push on through and deliver a gaming session that night Or whether to have another quiet night with the wife in front of the TV or just going to bed and early to sleep. The tendency? It's to do the easy thing. The reality is that when I sit down and think about this problem, when I reflect on the decisions that I make, the real reason why I cancel the majority of gaming sessions is that I feel unprepared. I feel like an imposter. Bottom line is, I'm asking myself, who am I, to be running games for my friends? And that comes from the feeling of not being ready. When I have the feeling of not being ready, it's pretty easy to rationalise, I know any barrier as an excuse out of doing that hard thing, preparing a session and then delivering on it. Back in 2019, the angry GM wrote some very interesting comments on this problem, he was referring to what a lot of people call GM burnout. Quote, Here's the reality. If you're feeling tired or run down and you cancel a game because of it, that's fine. It's only fair. But it makes it easier to cancel the next game and the next one. And eventually you'll tell yourself that you must be suffering GM burnout. So you put your game on hold and you figure you'll come back to it in a month or three or six And nine months later, you're wondering what happened to your game. GM burnout is caused by not running games. It's caused by cancelling games. See, games feed themselves. Running games is hard. It does take effort. But the more you do it, the more you enjoy it. End quote. And I'd go a bit further than that. I found that every time I cancel the game, I also raise the chance that another player will Jack in playing with me, at least, and go and do something else. And sometimes they even jack in playing altogether. In my experience, those players don't just stop attending my gaming table. Many of them stop enjoying role-playing games altogether. I've lost count of how many players I've driven away from the table over the years due to my own fundamental flakiness. And that adds to my sense of guilt and unworthiness. And that's not even mentioning the so-called butterfly head. Butterfly head is the phrase my wife coined to describe the creative me. In my job, you see, I'm very focused and organised. Colleagues comment on how amazingly organised I can be. It's a source of professional respect that I get things done. And I can even be pretty creative as a teacher in the classroom. And that really contrasts very heavily with myself as a gamer. Like a butterfly, I drift from gaming project to gaming project, from idea to idea. I find a cool notion, I get excited about it, I put in a day or two of serious hard effort to make that work. And often I even go as far as sharing that exciting idea with my group and try and persuade them to give it a go. And if I'm lucky, I kind of make it to a first session with a cool shiny idea, all ready to go. And I have a fun session and then I feel like, yeah, that worked really, really well. And then I notice something else over there that's also kind of new and shiny. And I go around that loop again. So the obvious effect of this butterfly thing is that I stop prepping the thing I started. And then I go and use my time exploring some new idea. I divert my attention to a new and exciting project. And I fail to follow through on the originally cool game that I've already set up. You see, it takes a particularly dedicated player to stick around my gaming table. My players sigh and smile politely as I try to move the game to the next shiny idea. But the worst part of it is, I still haven't managed to overcome these habits. In all the years since I first spoke about the curse of the flaky GM, well, the truth is I'm still doing it. The only real difference between 2019 and 2023 is that I know enough to realise that the way to break the curse, to begin to break down those unproductive habits, is to make the things I start smaller so that I can more easily move towards finishing them. The secret to becoming more consistent is to play more often, and the secret of playing more often looks an awful lot like playing with smaller goals. So as with all change, I know this won't be easy, The resistance will be trying to stop me, it always does. But in the end, if I'm ever going to step off this hamster wheel I'm on, something needs to shift. Let's come back to first principles. Being the GM is not the same as being the player in a role-playing game. The roles are fundamentally different and the experiences they offer are rich in many different ways. As a player, you know that I want other world immersion. I want to play a character in a rich, interesting world. And I want to play in character as that character for as much of the session time as possible. When I come to the table, I enjoy some social time with my friends, preferably both at the start and the end of the session time. But once we begin the role-playing game... My preference is to be in character, in world, for as long as possible. And I've spoken about this at length on many occasions. But the most obvious thing has only really just dawned on me. When I'm the GM, it's not my role to decide what the experience at the table is going to be, or at least it's not my role alone. It's not my role to be in character as character almost all the time when I'm the GM. The role, actually, is to provide an enjoyable experience for my players, helping them to achieve the kind of role-playing experience that they are seeking. In other words, when I'm in the GM's chair, the role is to provide an experience for the players. And yes, I need to do this in a way that's also enjoyable for me, otherwise I won't want to play as the GM. But the kinds of enjoyment on offer to me as GM are fundamentally different to those on offer as a player. And so the question becomes, what do I enjoy doing as the GM? And oddly, it's a lot of the kinds of things that I don't enjoy doing very much when I'm a player at the table. Of the eight player engagements, and remember the GM is a player in the game... Of those 8 player engagements the MDA theory posits, they are listed as Challenge, Discovery, Expression, Fantasy, Fellowship, Narrative, Sense, Pleasure and Submission. Of those 8 player engagements, my preferences are towards the Discovery, Fantasy and Challenge. Fellowship and Sense, Pleasure they are high up there too. But narrative and expression are lower priorities and submission is not my jam. For the GM, the trick is learning how to become an engaging host. And that means working out what engages your players and giving them more of that which they enjoy. Along the way, you want to find what engages you as the game master and focus on utilising those engagements to drive your enthusiasm to run. So it's a balancing act but I think the key to unlocking the role of the GM was given to me just the other day while I was chatting with the Alexandrian, Justin Alexander, about his forthcoming new book, So You Want to Be a Game Master. He said something simple and deeply effective. Give the players toys to play with. As enigmatic as that sounds, it really unlocked something in my mind. And of course... The particular types of toys you give your players, that'll depend in large part on what each player particularly likes to play with. But I love that suggestion. Give the players some toys to play with. So enough of my story. Let's get back to being here today and deciding again, at least for today, to be the apprentice gm now it seems timely to me to share a couple of messages from jason from the nerds rpg variety cast commenting on my talk about mastery back in the episode about the fear of mastery let's see what jason had to say
2: hey Jay, just listened to episode 1222 and your talk about game mastery and a thought it's a little different than what you're talking about there but You know, when you're talking about the road to game mastery, I don't necessarily think that you have to necessarily GM the game, run the game to become a master of the game. I think we have players that are, you have people that prefer to be players that do achieve that mastery of the system, that system mastery. And they can be very helpful at the table, you know, in helping clarifying rules and, you know, in a game where, we are openly talking about the mechanics of the game where we're not doing it all behind the GM screen, the way most people play having those players with that system mastery can be extremely useful and extremely helpful to GM. You know, there's a big difference between a player with a system mastery and a rules lawyer. Right. And I, I think it's important to, to remember that not everybody's going to be comfortable with or want to run the game, be the games master be the dungeon master but they can still be a system master and they can still get that game master so I, i think that's an important distinction in there but thank you for the episode really enjoyed it looking forward to your next one
0: i think this is an important element to consider does the gm have to wear the mantle of the rules master and do they have to wear that mantle alone it depends i think on the experience the players want at the table for me as a player I want as much otherworld immersion as I can get so I don't want to learn the rules of the game. But when I'm the GM I need to consider that there might well be players who enjoy that kind of thing. In fact given that my favourite rule system is GURPS it's highly likely that players at my table will fall into one of those two camps. Either they are expert GURPS players and enjoy the system mastery of those rules or they are just along for the experience of playing with me in whatever world I've created, and they don't want that at all. So, as a GM, I guess it's important to identify those players who might assist and even enjoy assisting with the rules and sort that out up front. But what it does allow is for me as the GM to master methodology and to become master of the world.
2: Hey K, Jason here, just one more thought on apprenticeship. You know, traditionally that apprenticeship, you know, goes under that name apprentice, right? So you're working under somebody else, you're learning lessons, you're assisting, and that's something I think we lose, and part of it's because of the digital age. But that ability to assist, where maybe you're working with another dungeon master, and, and learning the tricks of the trade under them or learning the game under them. And that apprenticeship can happen just through discussions. I, I mean, at that point, you're more mentorship, right? But whether it's mentorship of talking to more experienced people and learning lessons that way, or apprenticeship of playing in their games and learning how they're running it by playing in their games, that really, really, that apprenticeship I, really involves other people as well somebody you're learning from i don't know that you can teach yourself an apprenticeship Um, and i'm not saying necessarily that you are these are just thoughts that are coming to me thinking about your last episode
0: when i recorded episode 22 i commented that the definition of an apprentice as one indentured to serve another for a purpose of learning a trade that that was something that probably wouldn't sit well with 21st century hobbyists but you know i do think jason's right Here's the definition of apprentice that I think I'm working with in my mind at the moment. Quote, Apprentice, one who is learning by practical experience under skilled workers, a trade, art or calling. End quote. Who are the skilled workers under whom I'm aiming to work? Well, instead of going alone, of trying to be self-taught, I've got to ask who are the skilled GMs that I can look to for advice and example. And I think I already know who they are. I've been talking about them for the best part of four years. The first is the Alexandrian, Justin Alexander, who seems to embody just the right balance of GMing principles which appeal to me as a gamer. Would I like to run games like he does? Yes. and. How fortunate I am because firstly, there's 18 years of blog posts to read and practice on his blog. And secondly, in November, his methodology for prepping and running role-playing games is being published in his new book. The second is the angry GM. Now, not everything he writes resonates with me, but his no-nonsense and direct approach via the blog is... Again, a useful set of guideposts for the aspiring GM. And interestingly, the Angry GM's book was mentioned by Justin Alexander as being just about the best other GMing book out there for aspiring GMs when I had a chat with him the other day. And you know what? I own that one already. And thirdly, there's John 4. His work spans about 20 years, and his role-playing Tips newsletter is an evergreen source of wisdom. And while John's style is different to my own, I think there are many complementary elements that I can draw upon. And of course, in the roleplay Rescue community, there are many other GMs that I can learn from too. Daniel Jones, Jason Connolly, Arlen Walker, Simon Williams, Jason Hobbs. Oh my gosh, when I think about it, the list is very long indeed. And I can learn from them too, as GMs in their own right, as I start my apprenticeship anew. I think the principle here is to recognise just how vast the community is, but also to channel your focus and attention to following the advice and the guidance of a GM you admire. And so thank you, Jason, for your generous calls and your thoughts which have brought me to where I am today. It's day one as the Game Master's Apprentice. And so what are my first steps? I'm going to learn the basics of the game rules I have chosen. I'm going to run a dungeon scenario as a one-shot and I'm going to practice making rulings at the table. The rules I'm seeking to master are Gerps. The basics are simple. There are success rolls, damage rolls, and reaction rolls. All of them are resolved with regular d6 dice, 3d6 roll low for testing player character success, dice plus adds for outcomes like damage, and 3d6 on the reaction table where high is more positive. And to help me with that, I'm going to use the specifically designed dungeon fantasy role-playing game, powered by GURPS, to help me do the second of my goals. Keeping the first game's basic means utilising just the core of the rules and focusing on prepping and running a simple, short, one-shot scenario. The dungeon crawl, or what I personally prefer to call the location crawl because it is then applicable across all genres, this dungeon crawl is the most basic and simple-to-learn scenario structure. Choosing fantasy and doing a dungeon, that puts me right back at the beginning of the hobby. And something like the five-room dungeon, as advocated by both John Four, who created them, and the Alexandrian, who recommends them for the beginning of GM, well, that seems to me ideal. At the table... The focus for me needs to begin with simply describing the situation, listening to the player's action declarations, and practicing making rulings as required. Learning to adjudicate the rules is the basic skill of the GM once you're sitting at the table. Everything else can be added to those basic first steps. So to all of that, I aim to simply keep one thing in mind. Each time I run a session, I'm going to try and keep it in the same world and add the next scenario to the framework of that game that I began. So even if it's different players or different characters, the one thing that can be maintained is the persistence of the game world. One location can be an enjoyable session or two. Another location adds flavour and a sense of larger play space. And a third begins to feel like Emilio. And from there, riffing off what has happened during play and continuing to add small things to the world, well, that's the essence of what it means to become consistent. And in my head, it's really helping me to think about this in terms of what Justin Alexander calls an open table. A game where anyone can turn up and play and we all kind of get what it's about because it's that regular kind of game in a fantasy world with wizards and fighters and clerics and yeah, all that jazz that we know. So the last thing is to help with my always starting but never finishing butterfly head tendency. And for this the idea is to make smaller steps in the creation and delivery of the game. So instead of imagining a world sweeping campaign, I'm gonna focus on adding just one small thing to the world each time I can play. I'm actually starting with what Chicago Wiz calls a 3-hex starter. In other words, I'm just going to have a starting location, a small village, and three possible locations that I've just quickly sketched onto a map. And then I'm going to focus on building each of one of those in turn. Tiny prep, the practice of adding incremental and tiny things to Emilio, that's the method that I aim to employ. And I know that I enjoy making and discovering new things, so the way forward seems to be thinking in smaller terms. You see, increments accumulate over time, and confidence in other areas grows from continual practice and learning from your mistakes. So, why would it be any different here? We have to make a decision. And if there's one thing I've come to understand as I reflect back on the gap between my dreams of GM Mastery and my current situation, it's this. You have to make the decision every single day. Commitment's born from the decision we make to commit, but commitment isn't a one-time thing. It's a daily thing. Each time we go to bed and sleep, the old us dies and when we awaken, it's as if we're a new person. Today's potential is always to begin again, but we do have to choose. We must decide, who shall we be today? It was Aristotle who told us that who we are is the accumulation of the decisions and actions that we took through all of our yesterdays. But we don't have to repeat the mistakes of our past. If we keep committing to making small changes, one today and perhaps another tomorrow, then we can learn how it feels to enjoy victory, however small and transient that might seem, and then choose to make another small change and achieve a small victory tomorrow. And perhaps it becomes easier to choose again and again and again until we finally learn to become reliable as a GM we always wanted to be. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. I love to receive messages and call-ins from listeners so if you want to ask a question hop on over to speakpipe.com slash roleplayrescue where you can leave a voice message links are in the show notes and I think you know what there's just enough time to share maybe one or even possibly two from the mailbag.
1: Hello Shay. this is Andrew Mannett calling from beautiful sunny Long Island. I've been uh, listening to your podcast for this season because I was hungry for more GURPS content, really, but i found that a lot of your episodes that don't have anything to do with GURPS really struck a nerve with me, have really uh, resonated. Uh, your, your episode uh, about community and your episode about permutations, and just now I've listened to your Game Mastery episode. And it really did uh, did crystallize things for me. And it's made me think about uh, being more purposeful and having more intent in the way I, I game master and play and also the way I want to engage with the, the greater community of role players. So I'd like to thank you for that and look forward to hearing more. Thanks.
2: Hey, K, Jason here. Just listen to your interview over on the casting shadows podcast with anthony or great great interview really enjoyed what you said there and it makes a lot of sense so thank you for agreeing to appear over there and discussing that with him talk to you soon
0: big thank you to andrew calling in with that positive feedback and I'm glad it got you thinking and also to Jason for reminding me of course to mention I was on the Casting Shadows podcast with RuneSlinger thanks to all the Roleplay Rescue patrons who support the show through patreon.com thank you to John from Tale of the Manticore for the Roleplay Rescue theme music and thank you to you for showing up and listening Remember, if you've got a question, call in via speakpipe.com slash RoleplayVescue. My name is Che Webster. This is RoleplayVescue. I'll see you again next time. Game on.